This is Bob Ambrogi, and welcome to This Week in Legal Blogging, presented by LexBlog. LexBlog is home to the world's largest community of legal bloggers, and is the industry-leading provider of professional blogs and turnkey digital publishing solutions to lawyers and to the world's largest law firms for more than 16 years. Once again, this is Bob Ambrogi, editor at Law Sites. And for our 34th episode of This Week in Legal Blogging, I am joined by Thomas Crane, author of the San Antonio Employment Law blog, which he has run for more than a decade. Thomas, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you. First of all, I mean, before we get to, to your blog, uh, could you just tell us a little bit about your practice and, and what you do? Uh, I do employment law in San Antonio. I mostly represent employees. I've been doing that the current iteration since 2009. Uh, before I did it before, but then I, I took time off for the war in Iraq and all that stuff. So then I came back to it in 2009. So all that stuff, meaning uh, you, you served in Iraq? I did. I did a tour in Iraq and I did a tour uh, stateside, you know, a different army posts. Yeah, well, appreciate your, your service. Was that, uh, did that tie into your law practice at all? Has, has being uh, being a veteran, has having served, uh, it, it all played into your law practice? Yeah, actually, yes. Yes, quite a bit. Okay, I do veterans cases where you're, you're talk, applying for disability benefit type things. But besides that, I just tend to attract a, a veteran clientele. You know, it was kind of alarming at one time. I remember I had three female clients, all with employment issues. All three of them had suffered military sexual trauma, MST. It was a little alarming, you know, that it was so common, I guess. And, and yeah. plus, um, when you're a female harassed in the military and then harassed in a civilian job later, it tends to restart that PTSD you experienced in the military. Yeah. So did they, were those cases where they came to you because they, they knew you had uh, that military background or was it more by happenstance? I, both. Uh, lawyers, yeah, lawyers, if they have a, a client, okay, there's not many lawyers who do employment law anyway, but if they have a, a potential client who has a veteran background, they tend to think of me also. You've been blogging, I think I saw since 2009, which is uh, quite a while uh, at this point. If you can remember that far back, how did you get started? What, how did you get <laughs> started on blogging? That was a long time ago. I don't know. That's a tough one. Well, you know, okay. How did I? Okay, how did I? Yes, it's a good question. Okay, I was at an, actually in an ABA meeting, and there's a speaker who um, his last name is Schwartz. He's been doing a blog forever, and he and it just made a lot of sense. And he does employment law from the defense side, and he mentioned that a lot of lawyers do blogging, but not maybe very maybe none from the employee side. And I thought, well, that sounds like a good niche for me, and and I certainly enjoy educating client potential clients and it saves me as a lawyer it saves me a lot of work if my clients have read up a bit on the uh, challenges of litigation before they come to see me you know I, I was actually thinking the same thing as i was thinking about this interview because i've as i said at the beginning we've, we've done a number of these shows where we've, we've uh, interviewed lawyers who blog and I, i've been following the blogging world for a long time and and it's definitely seems to me probably still that it's more common to see employer side employment blogs than it is to see employee side. I suspect you're probably not alone out there as an employee lawyer blogging, but uh, you know, maybe I, I wonder if part of that is just because the 
employer side often tend to come from, I don't know, larger firms and they have marketing budgets and, and they kind of set these <laughs> things up. Do uh, you have any thoughts on, on why that might be? Yes, I do. Yeah, I think it's, it's more a function of supply and demand, right? Uh, people who do what I do representing employees, there's just not that many of us. Marketing is not a top concern. It's, it's a concern, but not number one like it is for defense lawyers. Yeah. And, and even now, you know, 10 years later, I can say there's only two or three other employment lawyers who do represent employees who do blogs. Not that there aren't that many. Yeah. You mean anywhere or in Texas or in, in the country? Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I like to follow other blogs. And yeah. so uh, at some point I noticed, you know, I'm following like three or four defense side employment lawyers. And that does shade how case law is interpreted and explained in cases. So I was deliberately looking for employee side and there just haven't been that many. I, I think right now, if I go to my uh, list of blogs, it's like two or three employee side who blog on a regular basis. And, and when you started it back back then, you went to the ABA meeting and you heard about it and decided to try it again. Was that when you were restarting your practice after having done your military service? Or? It was, yeah. See, okay, I worked for a nonprofit while I was doing military stuff. And at some point, I, I, the military stuff was finally done. And I thought, well, I'd like to work for myself again. And so looking at opening, restarting my practice, you know, I was interested in what would be a good marketing tool. But also, it, it's once I, I heard if his name was Dan Schwartz talking about oh, yeah, how yeah. you can use that to educate people mm-hmm. who are going to come see you. It's, it's a real help. Big right. help. Uh, did you also look at it as... A marketing tool? Were you hoping that it was going to help you bring in uh, new clients and, and build your business? Yes, I did. I thought it would. And it has proven to be somewhat true. People do. People who are in problem or in trouble at jobs or they see trouble coming at work, they tend to go and Google. You, you Google something. And and how does the blog play into that? Does it, does it help you get a higher profile on Google? Or? Yeah, it does. And well, I mean, as you know, you know, if you blog, your website is going to go to the top pretty quick and it'll yeah. stay there because it's fresh content over and over. Yeah. So it, it, it works well as a marketing device. Uh, when you started the blog, had you, I mean, did, did you know much about blogs? Had you been following blogs before that or was it kind of a, a started and learn about it at the same time? Yeah, exactly. I didn't, you know, I didn't realize there was all these blogs and they're so helpful. So now that I know more about blogs, for example, if I get into a new area of law, one of the, maybe not the first thing I'll do, but the second is find a good blog on that area of law. What's the first thing? <laughs> do some research. Well, case, case law research, you know, that's what it's all about, finding the good case. Yeah. Did you find it easy to get into, you know, starting a blog and, and the routine of writing and, and publishing and, and researching and, and all of that? Or, or did it take you, you know, what was it like kind of getting going in the early days of, of starting it? Well, it takes time. Um, you know, at, at some point, I mean, okay, when you first start blogging, you probably have any good lawyer would have a dozen, maybe a couple dozen blog posts ready to go. You, things you've been turning over in your head. But after that first couple dozen, you're like, okay, what do I write about now? And so you're kind of scratching your head. Right. And But it didn't take me long to work through that because partly because of my area of law, I know there's people out there, they're having trouble at work and they want to know what the law says. So pretty soon I realized what, what we need are some just basic explanations of fundamental issues. You run into unemployment, Filing with the EEOC, all these things are just kind of basic stuff. Do blog posts about those, how well they work. And from there, it just kind of became a routine of 
keeping the basics going, but also talking about you know new cases or, or trends that are popping up in the news that touch on employment law. So you're covering you're covering the basics, and you're continuing to cover the basics, and you're also keeping up with cases and developments as they as they come along. Is that? Yes. See, I, I always envisioned it as being more for non-lawyers, but in reality, it becomes a lot of lawyers too. So I, I guess I, I tend to go approach both audiences, the lawyers and the non-lawyers. How do you, does that affect how you write your blog posts? I mean, are you writing them for an audience of lawyers or are you writing them for an audience <laughs> of non-lawyers? No. Um, partly because of my military experience, I think. You know, in, in the military, we have the same challenge, I guess, as bloggers do. You, you know, the average manual, you know, we have all these manuals in the military. The average reading level, I want to say, is seventh grade, maybe eighth grade. So I, maybe I, I'm a little above, I write a little above eighth grade, but it's simple enough that any layperson can understand. Now, sometimes I've had some laypersons tell me they didn't understand it, but I think it's more when they're trying to read a case summary. Yeah, in case summaries, it's hard to put that into non lawyer language. I, did, I make a, a real effort, I, I really do avoid uh, the legal jargon. I think even lawyers <laughs> appreciate, you know, uh, plain English, at least in blog posts. Uh, and I, I think sometimes it's funny that lawyers who write for other lawyers sometimes presume a higher level of uh, knowledge, even on other lawyers, than they sometimes have of, of different uh, legal topics. Yeah. Has the, has, you know, kind of what you cover, what you write about evolved over the years? Has it pretty much remained steady? Uh, how, how has that developed? Yeah, no, it has been pretty steady. And, and so like those uh, um, blog posts I did on like the basics of defamation, the basics of unemployment, you know, I'll redo those. I'll, I'll look, I'll deliberately go back and find them a couple of years later, bring them up to date and I'll republish them. I, I do that on a, you know, yearly basis or so. And that, and it tends to be in a time when I do start running out of topics, or maybe there's just not good cases coming out from some court of appeals, and I go back to doing those basics because it's all about telling people, you know, what their rights are, you know, and what they can do when they get in trouble at work. Yeah. What's your geographic focus? Are you covering um, developments nationally, or just as they occur in Texas? All the above. All the yeah, Okay. You know, it's a good question. You know, what happens in California employment law doesn't always have a lot of impact on Texas, but it can. And so it, um, some, some trends that start in other parts of the country will eventually work their way back to Texas. So if I see that coming, I'd, yeah, I'll write a blog post about, you know, unionization efforts or Uber and Lyft. You know, those have been pretty frequent issues the last three or four years. Are you an employee if you're a Lyft driver or an Uber driver? You know, we, we don't know, but you see states like California wrestling with that already. Right. And what was it? Some, was it uh, some European country just, just basically uh, Uber agreed to make all their, uh, yeah. all their workers, uh, employees, uh, I forget, was it England or, or France? I, I'm not sure you might've seen that, but it's an interesting issue, but pl also a lot of employment law issues are federal anyway. Right. So, uh, you know, yeah. the, uh, title seven issues in, in those kinds of things are, uh, are going to be uh, federal issues and, and relevant across state lines. Right. They are, you know, yeah, what's, if there's a good decision from Iowa that says, you know, a disability is the following, you know, that has educational value in Texas, also, you know, possibly precedential value also. 
So uh, you're a sole practitioner, right? I am. How do you balance uh, the work involved in writing and maintaining and keeping up with the law and all that around the blog and the fact that you got to practice law as well? <laughs> well, and you know, for a while, for a long while, I had a goal of two blog posts per week because I wanted to move up in the rankings or whatever. And then that just became a habit. Well, sometimes, uh, you know, it, there, there are those times in every job or in every practice where you're just not as motivated to do that killer brief. You know, that killer brief, I can do that tomorrow. Right now, I want to do something simple, something basic. You know, I could, I guess, go into my checking account, balance the account, but instead I'll do a blog post. Monday morning type thing, Friday afternoon, you know, I don't want to get into something long or involved. I'll do a blog post. So you don't have a particular schedule or routine. It's more uh, as the muse strikes you. <laughs> yeah, you as <laughs> the inspiration that strikes me. Yes. Um, although I, I probably do write quite a few on a Monday morning. Now, I'll do a few at home, too. I mean, I have a laptop. I can access everything from home. So if I see a good, uh, maybe a news article about that involves employment law, I might do it right there on the spot before I forget it. What about just the... Uh the, the 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 kind of the prerequisite to writing is, is is knowing what they're what's going on to write about. So how do you kind of just kind of keep up with what's going on in in the field? Do you have a, a standard set of sources that you follow or a routine around that? You know, I have. I haven't been doing that lately. Like there used to be. That's why I used to focus on certain blogs. I would see what other lawyers write about, and then I might re and if they're defense right, I might want to respond. I might want to rebut what they say, or if it's plaintiff oriented, not that many, but I might want to follow up or just point out to my readers. Here's a good blog on unemployment benefits. You guys should check it out. So I did that for a while. Now I guess I, I tend to focus um, more on, you know, how do you explain these employment law issues? You know, Dan Schwartz, who I still follow, he'll sometimes use sports as a way of explaining employment law issues. Well, I'll, I'll do the same thing, but I tend to do it with current events. You know, I'll see a loss. Well, Uber or Lyft is a good example. You'll see a lawsuit about Uber and Lyft. Is somebody an employee or are they an independent contractor? Well, I can use that as a way of addressing the independent contractor issue and other areas of, you know, of employment. Has the uh, events of the past year, uh, the pandemic, uh, in any way affected what you're writing about or what you're seeing the predominant issues being that are coming up in, in employment law? Oh, yes. Yes. In a big way. And, and I started, you know, the pandemic here in, in Texas started right around St. Patrick's Day, so middle March. By late April, I was getting calls from people very concerned about going back to work. My yeah. boss is not doing any precautions. What can I do? And these calls went on you know, for weeks, weeks, months, probably. And I suppose I still get a few. So I, I wrote blog posts that talked about what we knew at the time. And I would update it as, as I got more information. You know, what is OSHA going to do? What is EUC saying about this? Are you entitled to an accommodation if, if you don't have the virus, but you're afraid you'll get it and give it to somebody? So, yeah, we've had to do, I had to do several, you know, a dozen probably COVID-related blog posts just on what are your protections or not protections. Yeah. Is that is that kind of concern um, trailing off a little bit now or are people still wondering about, I mean, now, I, I don't know what the situation is in Texas. I know here, I'm in Massachusetts and, you know, a lot of people still haven't gone back to the workplace. Uh, and uh, it's just starting to uh, open up a little bit more in that regard. Uh, you know, are, are you still seeing issues along that, those lines? Well, I suppose that maybe the urgency isn't as, as amped up, but, but no, I still do. I, you know, I've, I've talked to, you know, two, 
two persons, I guess, this week with issues that have been a long time ongoing, seeking some kind of accommodation. They're still not getting it. So I guess they're not as you can really feel the fear early on. So I don't hear that fear in their voice like I did, but there's still um, a huge concern. No one wants to bring the illness home to a husband, a wife, a child who have pre-existing conditions. Right. That's a huge concern. Tom, you, you uh, talked about the fact that you read other blogs and, and you are, are often writing your blog uh, in, in part with the recognition that other lawyers are probably reading yours. Do you uh, do you get feedback from other lawyers? Do you do you get uh, people reaching out to you? You know, lawyer, lawyers in particular reaching out to you and saying, you know, I read your post about this, or uh, you know, I love your opinion on this, or <laughs> you know, yeah. There, I've had a few things like that. You know, I um, if I see a good email and it's talking about a good lawsuit, you know, I write about that lawsuit. And one time. Uh, I don't remember if it was a lawyer who does what I do, represents employees. He saw it and he was he was annoyed with me for misstating the facts. I tried to explain it, but this is a blog. I'm not a news site. It's a blog. Yeah. So fine. I took the blog post down. It wasn't that essential. It wasn't necessarily that educational, but he he misunderstood the point of a blog. And then, then once or twice, you know, I've posted a story, and then a lawyer who is who blogs, who's defense oriented. Well, then, in fact, I remember he used this phrase, well, there's a, there's a second side to every pancake. So he wrote a blog post kind of rebutting what I had said. The other side, there's a, another side to every pancake, he said. Well, I guess that's true. Yeah, that is true. Uh, yeah. And, and did you then write another response replying to what he said? <laughs> no, there's two sides to pancake. You know, <laughs> that if was he, was, it. He, he can have the last word. I'm okay with that. Yeah, I think you alluded to this a little bit earlier in the conversation, but insofar as one of your reasons for uh, starting the blog was to help build your practice, what do you think generally overall the impact of the blog has been on building up your practice? Has it been a success in that regard? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I still get calls or emails from people who found me on the blog. But I, I think, um, well, Kevin O'Keefe said this once in one of his blog posts, that you know, a lot of times the blog, not necessarily a marketing thing by itself, but it, it does confirm. It you know, it, it does make you look like you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I think people appreciate that I had this post, and and two, um, you know, it's become a kind of a repository of good cases. You know, I, I guess every lawyer has this trouble. You know, you find a good case, what do you do with it? Well, you put it in a computer. Hopefully, you put it in a folder you can find five years from now. But sometimes, yeah, I can't. But I'll go to my blog, and in my blog, I can do a word search better, faster than I can on my computer. So sometimes, I'll go to my blog and find a case that I, I remember writing about a year or two years before. I think that's a really good point. It's That's been a, a one of the recurring themes I've heard in doing the interviews on this program is that for so many lawyers, their blog becomes essentially a knowledge management tool where they can, yeah. they, you know, they know they've written about something and they can go to their blog and and search it and find it, uh, and it's easier than uh, some of the other systems lawyers sometimes employ to keep track of things from five years ago or four years ago or whatever. What about um, your own cases? Do, you know, do you ever write about your own cases, or what's what's been your policy on that? No, no, I don't. Well, I'll take it back. I mean, I have written about a couple of them. If, if they've if they've made it up to a court of appeals level and it resulted in a good decision. But I don't do it because it's my case. I do it because it's a helpful decision that explains issues f- for clients, for other lawyers who do what I do or something like that. As far as if it's 
No, otherwise, normally, no, I don't. It's, you know, I, I thought about it at first. It just something just not cool about that. I'm just not ready to do that. Yeah, well, and, and a lot of people agree with you. I mean, if it's if if it's a reported or appellate case, I mean, you know, if it's a case that uh, reported at the appellate level that you would be writing about if some other lawyer uh, had done it, you, that's probably a fair game for you to do. But uh, um, getting into matters uh, where you're, especially if it's ongoing or something, you it's a it's a, a, a hazardous area to start to, to venture into to start writing about your own cases too much. Do you do you take positions that are essentially advocacy positions in your blog posts? I mean, are you are you do you consider yourself more of a sort of a reporter just reciting what's happened, or are you writing posts that are advocating for a particular position or advocating for the law to go a certain way? Early on, I was more like the law professor, you know, trying to talk dispassionately about this case or that case. But now I'm, I am more of an advocate, um, especially when, you know, some advocacy is just kind of staring you in the face. And, and some, you know, some court of appeals decisions, they'll be pretty up. Some judges will be up pretty upfront about, you know, that was a stupid thing that the employer did or the lawyer never should have said something like that in an oral argument. And so I'll, I'll usually chime in and just if there's something like, if it's pretty obvious, I will. What about your style of writing blog posts? I mean, what 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 have you kind of come to believe makes for a, a well written blog post or a you know a, a successful blog post? I mean, do you have kind of a style in mind when you're writing blog posts? A friend of mine described my writing style as every man style. I think he means you know the common man style. I do tend to jump right into it. I don't spend a lot of time with introduction. It's, I'll just start out by saying. Well, you've heard about these Uber and Lyft cases. Well, here's another one. Here, look at what happened. And then I'll just kind of jump into it. And has that been pretty much consistent, or did you kind of learn that along the way? Or uh... it came along? No, it came along the way. I was more formal, probably like more like a law review article <laughs> early on, or case note. Yeah, but no footnotes. I hope. <laughs> no, yeah, no footnotes. <laughs> Have you done much to? Uh, market the blog or build up the readership? And, and if so, what, I mean, what have you done in, in that regard o- over the years, whether when you first started or even on an ongoing basis now? Not that much. Um, you know, from the beginning, I would do, I would post it in, in Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And I've been doing that ever since. Beyond yeah. that, I haven't done anything to market it. Probably, probably enough right there. I mean, if it's, especially if it's working for you. What, uh, I, I don't know if you uh, uh, ever get... Uh, Lawyers or, or others who who just ask you about blogging, but but assuming one were to come to you and say, you know, I'm I'm thinking of starting a blog and uh, wonder what you what you'd advise me, uh, what what would you say? Uh, I'd say blog about things you care about. You know, pe- people will get that, and, and people are more likely to read if they if they feel like you're you are sincere in what you're talking about. Would you? encourage them to start a blog or uh, are there you know some who should some who shouldn't what do you think uh, good question I, I, I have been approached a couple times um, it seems like the people who approached me didn't follow through because I remember not hearing from them at some point again or later well I, I would encourage them to do it if they care about it I guess I guess your question is are there what would be my opinion about what kind of people who wouldn't be well suited for a blog I'm not sure there is such a category of people who would not be suited for blog because anybody who can talk intelligently about a topic, you're providing education to someone on something. I've, since then, I've seen blogs, literally everything under the sun, gardening, you know, hiking, just all this stuff. There's people out there who will read anything if you do it, if you do it well, if you do it with sincerity and 
kind of authenticity. We're just about out of out of time here. Is there any? Thing else that you'd like to say? I always like to just leave it, give you the option of, of, of throwing out anything there you want to, because I've been asking you a bunch of questions and you may have been chopping at the bit to say something I haven't asked you about. So anything else you want to say about blogging? You've asked all the right questions. The only thing I would add is, you know, one good thing about blogging, it's a different style of writing. It's not necessarily legal writing. So I appreciate and I like it. I enjoy writing. So it, it does give me an outlet just to write to write and tell a story. Hopefully every blog tells a story of some kind. Yeah. Had you, had you been doing much writing before you started blogging? I've always done some, yeah. I've kept a journal like off and on forever. Um, I've written you know, a couple articles here and there for different type magazines or events. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and uh, thank you. I appreciate your time. Good questions. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right. Well, that does it uh, for this uh, this week's program. We've been speaking with Thomas Crane uh, of the San Antonio Employment Law Blog. And uh, on behalf of everybody at LexBlog, this is Bob Ambrogi. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another program.